All right. So, um, yeah, so uh, um, since I've been back, I, uh, we, we, a couple of guys, we come together and just discuss, you know, what, what do we feel God is doing in the congregation and, and so on. And I, I, I said to them, I feel like um, God is, there's a, a, a greater level, and I use the word, I know it's a very, um, it's a, a, a well, well, well worn out word in the Christian circles, but I think he, 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 he's a little bit sacred at the moment for us. I feel like God is bringing us to a new level of radicalness, right? Um, where um, the, almost the, the plane that was walked, walked into is just, is just lifted higher, you know? There's, uh, it's interesting with, with Acts 2, when the church came together in Jerusalem, um, and Jerusalem were born, that how the church um, initially, how, you know, they will sell all their positions. We, we know they will sell all their positions and share amongst one another, right? Um, and it's a specific time in the church. You don't see it throughout the church history that they will do it always. It's a specific window that you see this ultra, ultra radicalness. It's just the, the, the gears just shift in a different, in a different way. And I feel like the, the call that God is going to have on us in the season might be, might be more radical than some of us are being used to up till now. Um, it's interesting, you know, I, I, I'm looking, Warren, Warren uh, um, we, we, we begged Warren and Lynn to be not here the, the Sunday, but they're a little bit naughty, but uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they still come to church. So, but I, I want to... I want to say, you know, uh, it's interesting if, if, if the call will go out and say, look, uh, would you go on an outreach and, and God speaks to you to go on an outreach that costs a certain amount of money and you look at your bank account and say, well, I don't have the money. And God, unless you provide, I, I can't go. I mean, that's, that's a pretty sober and, and a good approach to do things, all right? I look at my bank account, I've got no money, I can't go. Right. That's that's unless the money comes, I can't go, and, and that's that's the that's the usual answer. So so Warren was so convicted that he had to go. He's just like, I have no money, but I have a car. Maybe I can sell the car. Right. And so it feels for me, it feels for me that shift. Right. That shift. It's just not possible practically. With all reason, it's just not practical. Well, you do have a car, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but, you know. And, and, uh, and not to put anything on anybody. I mean, you, you guys continue to be obedient to God and everything that you need to do. But I, I feel like there's more of that type of stuff actually coming towards us. Um, where, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give an offering. I'll give an offering towards... Uh, the purposes of God. I'll give an offering to the purposes of God. Um, and uh, um, I have a little bit of money set aside. If I look at my budget, this is what I have and this is what I can give. I have, you know, given accordingly. Or, well, I just received my salary. I can give that. Right? That's what I feel like is, is, is God is pressing on. He's moving outside of our budgets. <laughs> Because the restriction was budgeted. I just feel like it's outside of the budget. No restriction. It's like a, a wildness. I feel like God is, God is bringing on us, you know. It's quite exciting. Let's, let's hold on. All right. Anyway, so as I, um, 
I'm preparing for it. I, I, felt, I felt the book of Philippians, and actually the church of Philippians is applicable for us in this time. All right? So I'm just going to quickly mention some things on the church, and then we're going we're gonna to look at it. But I'm going to set the, set the tone of what the church is and how the church came about. The church came about this way. Paul was on his way to go preach the gospel as Paul tends to do. As he's preaching the gospel, he says this, the Holy Spirit prevents me from moving on. All right. I'm going to go that way. So he goes, and again he says, the Holy Spirit prevents me from going on. I can't go. So options becomes little. And he says to his, his boys, I think I'm going to go and sleep now. So he takes a sleep, and in his sleep, God visits him with a dream and says to him, and he sees a man from Macedonia calling him over and says, come over here, come and help us. He wakes up and says, guys, God spoke to me. I know where the Holy Spirit wants us to go. He wants us to go to Macedonia. If God speaks to you clearly, how many of you could really assured when God speaks to you, right? And you know that you know this is where God wants you to go. I don't see that amount of excitement, but for me, that helps a lot, all right? If I know, if I know God is in that move, and usually my expectation is if God is in the move, there will be a certain amount of grace and a certain amount of fruitfulness with that move. So, Paul goes, and he goes into Macedonia, and the first place that he goes into Macedonia is a town called Philippi, hence the book Philippians. And, uh, Paul um, does his tricks, and he, he preaches the gospel, and uh, a magician stands up, and uh, he, he, uh, he it's, it's actually a woman, a, a woman, a woman magician, <laughs> with a spirit of divination, starts shouting after Paul, and at some stage, Paul just gets so annoyed, he says, all right, just come out. Now, a woman that has made her money from her magics, Suddenly has all her power being cast out of her. And her boss is pretty muffed about this. All right, there goes my prophet. All right, so he gets so quiet, he goes and he declares, and he, he takes, uh, he takes uh, um, Paul before the magistrate, and they, they found him guilty and they've thrown him into prison. But I, wanna, I just want to mention this, all right. In my, in my expectation or my understanding of things, you do everything right. I wait upon the Lord. He leads me there. I stop because God spoke to me. Stop. Then he turns me that way. I go that way. And he stops. I've been pretty obedient now. Right? I'm, I'm struggling with the waiting. I'm struggling with the stopping. If I'm going, it's hard to stop me. The adrenaline pushes me. And for Paul to go like, whoa, the Holy Spirit stops me, prevents me from going any further. I'm stopping. Okay, God, where do you want me to go? I mean, this guy is doing it well here. He's waiting upon God. Stream, boom. Clear as day. Knows exactly where he's going to go. He goes, does exactly what God commanded him, and finds himself in prison. I, I just, you know, I just, uh, um, what's our expectation to be smack bang in the middle of the will of God? What's your expectation? What does it mean to be in the will of God? Flip and hell, not in the present. 
all right? But he's in prison. So what do you do in prison? I'll tell you what Paul did in prison. He started worshiping. <laughs> oh, what a glorious day. <laughs> oh, happy day, you know. You know, it's just so awesome being in the will of God and you start worshiping God. Okay. Um, and something happens then, you know, the earth shook as he's doing that at around midnight. The earth shook, boom, walls falls down and um, all the prisoners can go out. Now again, come on, with me here. You've been obedient to God, okay? You've been obedient to God all this way. You do what you need to do. You cast out a demon. Things turn a little bit south, but you're still, you're still smack bang in the will of God. You find yourself in prison. And now, you worship God in prison, and then the great hand of God, the great hand of deliverance come and shake the walls of the prison, and shake your chains loose. What do you do? You run. God has offered you deliverance. Not Paul. He just stands. He's just waiting. What has God set up for me here? And as he waits, he sees the jailer realize that all the prisoners is running away. It was all the, I mean, the prison gates are open, and he's going to be in serious trouble. And so his thinking is, before they kill me, I'm killing myself. And he's about to commit suicide. And Paul goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's like, why are you still here? Uh, <laughs> for you. I'm here for you. I don't think of my own safety. I don't think how I can get away here. I'm obsessed with one thing, the furtherance of the gospel. And so he comes in and he preaches the gospel to this guy and he got his church plant. Guy gets saved, the whole family gets saved and he baptizes them and a church, a church sprung up in Philippi that grows and does its thing. Now, a couple of things that you need to understand, the foundation of the Philippi church is not the prosperity gospel, right? They would understand from very young, <laughs> from the inception of this church, it's absolute, absolute devotion to the purposes of God. To follow God costs everything, all right? And it's from this that a church starts developing with this DNA in them, this absolute, hardcore, radical group of people that made the choice that their gospel, that tasted of the gospel, the witness of this gospel, is what's been displayed to them right in front of their eyes. That's their understanding. That's what they have given themselves to. And Paul had to leave, sad, but he had to leave. Paul continues what he's doing. And you won't believe it. He finds him in prison again. Again he's in prison. Again he's in change. But never did he forget those group of guys in Philippi. And they would have probably said to themselves, don't worry guys, we know what happened last time. He worshipped, the place shook, and he was free. It didn't happen this time. Paul is still stuck in prison. Terrible. And if I say Paul is in prison, he's not a young man like I am, all right? 
He's in his 60s, mid-60s. He's a respectable man, right? He was high up in society until he met Jesus, and then he became the scum of the earth, he would say in his own words. He was a respectable man in every, in every way, and in his late 60s, mid-60s, he finds himself in the most horrible conditions that you can imagine, and his heart is remembering his brothers in Philippi, that knows about their condition, knows about his condition, and are, and, are, and are pressed and are deeply concerned about this. And from this place, Paul writes to them a letter. Now, firstly, let me say, when Paul writes letters, we need to understand how we read the Bible, right? The Bible is not a book full of, um, it's not a theological discourse of Christian doctrines, right? Yes, there's doctrine in. Yes, there is theology in, but when Paul writes it, theology is merely a means to see them grow up in Jesus. He's writing to them, I say as a pastor, he's writing to them as an apostle. He's writing a letter to a group of people that he deeply connected with, and all that he cares of is that they remain steadfast in the Lord and grow up in Him. And from that position, as that type of father, he writes to them, and he writes this letter. So I'm trying to, I'm helping, I'm hoping that somehow the context of what we're finding ourselves in will go. So we're going to read from chapter 1, verse 1. It's only four chapters, we should be able to get through it. Okay, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, and deacons. I'm not going to say a lot about this verse. I just want to mention there. There's only four types of animals in the church, right? And you see them clearly there. It's the saints, it's the elders, it's the deacons, and Paul that writes is apostolic oversight. That's the only type of people that you get in the church. The early church is very simple, all right? You don't have uh, um, this coordinator and that thing and that thing. You just had four types of people in the church. You had the saints, the deacons, the elders, and apostles, or people that did apostolic work. And those are, the, those are the four people, four groups of people that's functioning there. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Verse 4, please. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Can I say to you guys, I, um, I see Chris too is here. Christ is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful encouragement for me, and I, I, I sometimes walk away convicted after I've been with him. So a couple of weeks ago, I uh, just came back from my sabbatical, and I went to see Christu. And uh, um, as I went to see Christu, I had my phone in my pocket, and I, I, um, and I ride with my bicycle. It's the new Fit Me that is uh, going to meet um, Christu at Stellenbosch Square. It's quite a distance, right? And I'm on my bicycle on his, on his way. On my way there, I'm seeing him actually driving past me. So I'm thinking, oh, shucks, he's going to be there before me. I take my phone out. I send him a voice note, and I try and put my phone back. I'm sure it was in. It was in. It was in. I come to Stellenbosch Square, and my phone is gone. So somewhere between Stellenbosch and Stellenbosch Square, my phone fell out. 
in the road. All right. So I go to Christo. I said, Christo, yeah, sorry, I know we're going to have coffee, but can, you, can we quickly just jump in your car and just go and look at where my phone is? I mean, the chance is already close to zero. So we go in there, and Christo goes like, and he starts praying. He starts praying. And I'm, I'm, I'm subtly thinking it actually needs a little bit of practical application right now. Right? <laughs> I'll watch, you pray. <laughs> and together we'll watch and pray. So, <laughs> so, so we're driving, we're driving, and, um, and I mean, I, as, you, as you drive the road and you see the amount of people that's walking there, I'm just like, all right, there's, there's just no way. So we're like, uh, and all along, Christ is praying. So then I'm like, okay, let's, let's, just, let's just phone. And I phone and the phone rings. And uh, I'm like, all right, that might be a good sign. And then I phone five minutes later, and this time the phone is off, which is a bad sign. It means someone's picked it up and put the phone off. And so we sit, and I'm like, I've, I've subtly made up in my heart my phone is gone. That's the way that I deal with this. My phone is gone. So it's, but Christy doesn't want to let this thing go. He just wants to pray more about it. I'm like, Christy, uh, let's just have our coffee, you know. So uh, um, he then sends an SMS, which subtly in my heart, I go like, <laughs> the phone is off. Even if he puts the phone on, he can't put the, um, the, uh, the screen lock, he can't get it off. So he will never see it. But Chris, too, again, he just wants it, and uh, he says to them, please phone this number if you get it. And so um, we have our coffee finished, and Chris gets into the car, and again, he brings his petition to the Lord. Lord, please, please let that phone return. I've long gone, lost that one, right? I'm thinking already, where can I get my phone? Oh, a new one and all that type of things. And uh, yeah, two minutes later, as he's driving away, a woman phones him and says, listen, uh, can I please speak to the owner of this phone? And somehow, I don't know what conviction came over that woman, but she picked up my phone, initially put it off, and then decided to put it on. Phone me. Phone Christu. I don't know how she got to the number because the, the screen had to be locked, but she did somehow, and she got the phone back to me. And uh, um, I, I'm thinking, you know, just if I would measure the amount of worry and the amount of praying... Can you just imagine, if we could just equal it at least. If we can at just least pray as much as we worry, our lives will already be a hundred times better. But the amount of activity that I'm just topping, top, is that an English word even? <laughs> I just mulled my head. I'm just, I'm just actually concerned about things. Paul would never, never, when I think about you, I pray. Can I say to you guys, the biggest worry that I have in my life, I think that's my biggest worry in my life. I want to honestly say to you, my biggest worry that I have in my life, the thing that caused me most worry in this life is you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing that I worry about the most, honestly. I, 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 that keeps me up the most. I think about it the most. And Paul had to have that same trouble. But he had a different approach. Whenever I think about you, I pray. You see, the interesting thing about it is, 
Sometimes when I just think about situations, it doesn't leave me with joy. If I pray in that same situation, it leaves me with joy. First of all, sorry. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. It's amazing <laughs> how looking at the same condition with a worry and with a prayer, how everything shifts and joy comes back. Sorry, verse 5, here we go. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So, I just, Paul, Paul says this thing. We're going to go for the book of Philippians. We're not going to go for the whole book. We're just going to go for the first half. The juicy parts are coming now. We just have to kind of make the ground soft here. So hang on there, okay? If you guys have a, a Bible on your phone, please don't go on WhatsApp, but you can go on your phone. And I will not worry if you dull time on your phone. If you will promise me you're on your Bible and not on WhatsApp, all right? It's helpful. We'll just look at some keys there for us, all right? Now, in verse 5, Paul says this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, can I say this? Can I say this? When Paul says, I am in partnership, I'm in partnership with Warren in the gospel. I'm in partnership with many of you here for the gospel. I have come to the understanding, it took me some time, but I've come to the understanding that I, I and myself, no matter, no matter how large or how interesting my gifting is, I'm not saying I'm for instance, it has a limited ability to take in inheritance. But if I, in partner with Warren, in partner with Yandre, partner with Amadian, partner with Jinedine, partner in the gospel, we suddenly are taking so much more ground for the Lord. Paul, in the, in, I mean, Paul is the most gifted guy after Jesus. I mean, Paul, I mean, he, he wrote half of the New Testament. Let's give it to the guy, right? He, he is the most gifted guy since Jesus. He had the greatest impact on the church. But Paul would understand that my, 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 my mission in itself, in me and myself, can never partake it. It's always been an us for him. And Paul would understand that Philippi, is not all, each one on its own. Each one just has his own little thing going for it. But each one of them have now come and joined with that same mission that Paul has joined with them and find themselves in, in partnering. Right. Right, yeah. In partnering with them. So, so much so that Paul's mission, Paul's mission later on in, the, in, the, um, in, in, in Philippians 4, Philippia, Philippi, Philippi was a very poor city, actually. And so the church in itself would have been people with low income, all right? But Paul will boast about the church of Philippi that gives the most to other churches. They were not only willing to supply the needs of all the elders inside of the church, but they would give so much that the elders will sometimes have to say, stop now, guys. The elders just didn't stop them, and he just allowed them to give and give and give. And so that from the church of Philippi, they've burned so much for the gospel that they find themselves giving, giving to other churches. From Philippi, finances were supplied to all the churches because their partnership of the gospel was further than just their own little lives. They joined with Paul and they joined with others in this, in this mission to see the kingdom of God come about. In verse 6, <laughs> And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion 
at the day of Jesus Christ. Can I say this is one of the most assuring verses for you, but as a pastor, (laughs) it is one of the most assuring verses that I can ever have. It's the most confident thing that I can have. I look at guys, and Jesus jumps into their lives. It's always so awesome to see what Jesus does in their lives. Wreck them, change them completely. You know, but as the music fades, and everything settles, and the dust settles, there's certain things in people's lives. And you go like, and you see the battle to come through on the other side. And you go like, flip, Jesus, why didn't you just do it halfway here? But Jesus' commitment to us always is he that was committed to the starting of the process will, be com- will complete it until the end. There's a verse in, uh, uh, in uh, Hebrews 3 where Paul speaks, or oh, the writer of Hebrews. It's Paul. I mean, he was so awesome, he could have written it there. <clears throat> he, 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 says, he says, God is building a house. Wow, God is building a house for his presence. You know the temple? God building a house, like the old, old guys, Moses built the tabernacle, David built, uh, Solomon built the temple for his presence. God again is building that house for his presence. And then he goes, who you are. God is building a house for his presence. Who you are. Now, if you think Moses and Solomon did a great job, man, you should see the job that God is doing. When he thinks about Dean, he thinks about every circumstance and every situation that I'm going to get about to build a house for me, some place that I can settle with and feel at home with. All along, he's busy building a house for him in your life. And then that verse goes on and he says, if, oh, there's so little ifs in the New Testament, but there's an if. If you continue to the hope firm to the end. One of the biggest, biggest uh, um, things that cross ceilings over people's growth in the Lord is the day that they stop hoping. I once spoke to a girl, and I spoke to many people since that had the same thing. Got radically saved, but there were certain issues in her life that she just couldn't shake. And five, six years down the line, which you think is a massive amount of time, but anyway, she, 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 she looks at me and she said, I've been serving God now for five years. I've given myself, and it just... The thing just doesn't want to change. And I said to her, that's the very key there. As soon as you lose hope, you lose your condition for God to complete His work in you. If you hold on, look, there's a battle. There's certain insecurities that you just can't shake. Amen? (laughs) There's certain fears that you just cannot shake. And sometimes you settle in your heart. This is as good as it gets. And we go, pull the hope out. But if you would hold on, the verse says, firm to this hope, Jesus will complete his process in your heart. What an awesome thing to say today, that him that didn't spare his own son, that has given everything for you to become born again, will also freely give all other things to see you come to completion. It blesses me in my own life, but it blesses me when I see you guys. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. 
For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul says, I hold you guys so dear to me. I want to say, this is practical for us. I hold you guys so dearly to you. Because we are partaking of the same grace. Oh, what's Paul's grace? He's saying, well, I'm in prison. They're not with him in prison. But he's got a, Paul has got a certain grace to be in prison. We'll speak about that grace now. now. And he's got a certain grace to, be, to, 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 to um, establish the gospel, to defend the gospel, and to firm the gospel. But he says, you guys partake of that same grace. Where's Yanni? Is Yanni still here? Out for the baby. So Yanni, Yanni and Beatrix as a family right now, I shared in that same grace that they've experienced right now. Their family was kept in this time. And because of our relationship and of all, of, because of our connection, I share in that same grace. The grace that's been given to, uh, to them, I share in that grace. Some of the grace, some of the grace of this lady <laughs> that, that worshipped today and broke something open in regards to healing. Even though the word comes to her, something of that, because we are in that way, kind of connected, I share in that same grace. Our connection caused us to share in that same grace. All right? We'll see now what that grace is. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I would say, Paul doesn't really care about the Philippians. What would you say? No. He's consumed with them. When I saw Marco coming back, how many, how many of you, it's just it's the most awesome thing to see him come back. That's not like the guys fall into major sin or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but just to be able, the affection of seeing him being part and being grafted in with us, and how it moved all of us, because there's this, there's this, this I don't know, there's this supernatural connection that we have with one another, that God has brought about. And so, it's, it's probably the most awesome thing on the earth to be part of, right? Verse 9. And now he's praying. And so, I want to just mention something about this prayer. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. You know what's the wisest thing on the earth? Love. Let me explain to you guys. How many of you have ever been insecure? All right, all of you. <laughs> if you're in a place of insecurity... You're in a place of, well, it's a place of rejection, which is a measure of fear that is over you. That means love is not fully make his root in you. An insecure man struggles to make proper discernment. But as the work of love finds itself working itself through me, and I become secure in God, I become wiser. I am able to discern much better. Who of you have ever been offended with people? All right, all of you. All right. <laughs> Easy, I know. All of you have been offended with people. Let me tell you, if you have to make a judgment in a time of offense, it's going to be a stupid judgment. No man makes wise judgment in a place of offense. Right? What makes the wisest judgment? What makes the wisest discernment? 
when we ultimately love a person genuinely. I don't know what to do. Love knows what to do. And so when Paul is praying for these guys, he says, God, increase, increase love. Oh, that's my prayer. Let's pray this quickly for us. All right? Paul prayed it for them, so we're going to pray it for us. Father, we pray that your love may abound more and more in every person in this group. And as it abounds more and more, Father, that we will increase in discernment and in knowledge, Jesus, so that we would know what is your heart in every situation. Father, and then with that, I pray that prayer, that we will then show the fruit of righteousness, because your love has grown in us, and in that way we can be fully pleasing unto you, because we are secure in your ways, that are rooted in love. Verse 10, 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's not a bad prayer. Pray it regularly, okay? Verse 12. Okay, here we come to the juicy part now. So I'm, maybe let me just read the, the, the next five verses, okay? And then we'll, we'll, we'll look at it. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. All right, let's, uh, let me just finish it. Let's, let's do verse 16. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. All right, so, so Paul is in this situation. He's in, he's in, he's in prison now, and and. I mean, I know he does it regularly, but I mean, he's, he's there again, and the, the prison walls is not falling over this time. It's pretty tough times for him there, right? And so the church is concerned for him. And then out of that place, he writes to them. Now, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to, uh, um, I want you to think here. You know one of the words that is being thrown around in Christian circles a lot at the moment? It's actually calmed down a little bit, but it, it, it was very much. It's, the question is, is it kingdom or not kingdom? Right? Um, and, and, and it's an interesting question, so that it became kind of a, a buzzword in Christianity. Right? And I'm always thinking, you know, I know that's not a word here, is it kingdom or not kingdom? But what do we mean by that? What do we mean by that? What do we mean if we declare that is kingdom? Now, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Paul will, Paul will show us pretty clear and pretty quickly what is kingdom and what is not kingdom. You entered into Christianity, you, you entered into a, into a walk with God, all right? It's amazing, you got saved and now you're journeying with Jesus. And now your affection turns to Jesus because there's certain things that you have set before you that you would really like to walk in. Many of you have come to Stellenbosch to study. <laughs> Many of you have completed study. Many of you here are some of the brightest minds in this country. I love working with you guys. 
and have so much potential. So much potential. And all of you are concerned and desiring to see the full potential of what is being placed and what is made of you to come about. Now you're no longer alone. Now you can direct this request to Jesus as well. And you ask him carefully, Jesus, help me to choose the right course. Help me to get the right job. Help me to do this. Now you sit back, and with the help of Jesus, you consider together, Jesus, what will be the next step? What will be the right move for my career? That's not all. Oh, we see. We see relationships left, right, and center. You see, even the PM guys is visiting us because, <laughs> because they are hoping that the AM anointing will come upon them. All right? <laughs> and relationships. And, uh, oh. Can there be a more important decision than your life mate, partner? And everything that comes with that, our request is continuously with God to help us come that. And when we see the picture of our lives in Jesus, it is one that we are concerned with that Jesus will help us living out the full potential of what He's put in ourselves. That we would live a whole well-rounded marriage, that we will raise our kids well one day, that we would live a life that has the mark of Jesus on it. And we ask Him and we pray for Him to do that. If that was Paul's prayer, he might be a very disappointed man right now. Because I'm one of the most, in, well, definitely one of the most intelligent guys in his time, at least. One of the, the greatest potential in time. Surely, the career that was set before him was, was, was nobody in that time would have had that. And after following the Lord so well and so nicely, he finds himself in prison. And my heart if I would be in the church of Philippi, I would have gone out for him. But Paul is such a nice guy. He follows God so nicely. I don't even know if it's fair. Jesus comes just before he's about to crucify it in John 12. And he sits with a group of people and he says, um, I'm about to, to be crucified. I'm about to be flipping cut up in pieces. What should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But for this very hour I came, Father, glorify your name. What is your prayer? Father, save me from this hour. Oh, Father, glorify your name. He's right now, he's in prison. And then he goes and he, he just comforts all of us. He says, guys, don't you understand kingdom? <laughs> don't you understand how I set my heart? 
Everything revolves on the furtherance and advancement of His name. And you won't believe it. The prison has done exactly that. I praise God. His question is so different than all of our questions. Every circumstance, every situation that we find ourselves in, how uncomfortable it might be. Sometimes I this cry then, God, take me out of this uncomfort. God, make it more comfortable for me again. It's fair. We can bring all our requests to the Lord. Philippians 4, by the way. But there's something else that we can call on to. Father, what do you want to do through this? Father, glorify your name. How can this bring to and furtherance of your gospel? And so here Paul is in the prison. And Paul recognized that God is doing a great thing in the churches through him being in the prison. Because Paul being in prison has released something over the churches that's crazy. People are going, if Paul can be in prison, that old man is in prison worshiping God, rejoicing all the time. Why can't I go for persecution? And suddenly, by Paul being in prison, a new boldness bounced onto the churches. Now everybody's ready to go. You know, one of the things that this guy, it's just so interesting, right? Nobody can ever again say to me, I can't go on an outreach because I don't have money. <laughs> I'll just go like, did you sell your car? <laughs> Do you have furniture? Right? It's just not entered my mind. Oh, you don't have money. Okay, I understand. I've not thought about that. Until Warren went and said, like, but I have a car. <laughs> right? It broke something open to me. There's some of you guys here that gave. That my mindset of someone that gives towards something that, something like this, where you're not even going on that outreach, is budgeted. And some of you have just crushed that budget. Completely. So that now I go like, suddenly something has opened up for all of us because somebody has broken through that. And my radicalness, not mine, someone's radicalness has opened it up for all of us. And Paul's change then bring a new wildness. I'm going to, to Russia now. And I'm honestly deeply concerned for the Russian church. So I, I, I said to some people now beforehand, you know, people always say persecution is great for the church. Well, so obviously, the church in a way says that <laughs> from their comfortable couches. No, persecution is great, guys, you know. Now, persecution has had some good fruit. In, in the church of China, persecution came in the 50s, and that church exploded. It grew 100 times in 50 years. Same time in Russia, the church got annihilated. Persecution is not always good. It depends what's in you. The Chinese church had so much depth that when persecution came, it just exploded. The Russian church didn't have that depth. And when persecution came, they just died. And right now, I'm seeing a church in, in Russia. If you would ask them right now, what do they want? They will say, please, can the rapture happen? Just take me out of this place. 
And Paul says, it's interesting how he says, the chains, my chains, my imprisonment, whoa, 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 my imprisonment has turned for the furtherance of the gospel. Have you ever thought about the war in Russia and Ukraine? Is the question just make Russia great again? Or is the question just make Ukraine great again? I mean, that's the question. It frustrates me. Sorry, I know that's my pet topic here. But people get into that type of stuff. I mean, can you imagine? Paul would have ran a flag around, make America great again. <laughs> that's not his concern. His concern is the furtherance of the gospel. And so whether you have the politician that you like or not, I don't care. As long as this could be an opportunity that Jesus can bring the furtherance of the gospel. Whether in change or outside of change. Have ever, I've not heard one Russian said, Oh, this war actually can cause people to turn to Jesus. Their whole concern is how to get out of this thing. And so this is something that's happened now. More and more, the church in Russia is going like this. Please don't touch me. Please don't touch me. I'll just, I'm not here. I'm not here. I'll do whatever you say. I like Putin. I really do. I really do. And subtly compromising. Until one man is going to stand up there. Man, I hope I meet that man. I'm praying for that man to stand up. Until one man stands up and says, I am not here for my own flesh and blood. I'm here for the furtherance of the gospel. And I'm going to stand. And you throw me in prison, that's fine. And see how that boldness breaks open a boldness over everyone. May we become Pauls in our church community that break open new boldness over people. You're the first one to go there. Boom! And it opens up. And then he says, not only that, not only did it bring a, 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 a boldness over the churches, but since I've been here, I've led the whole prison guard to the Lord. <laughs> it's actually easy. When we sit with one another the whole day, you know, it's like massive opportunity, you know. It's been awesome here, guys. No, 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 no. Don't pray for me to get out of this place. We're going to steal what God is doing with the kingdom. Now, I know none of you are in prison. Some of you feel that you are in prison. I know none of you are in actual prison, but I know some of you are not feeling that you are in the most greatest position ever in your life. Some of you desire to be in different places. Can I just ask this question? Can your prayer be more than, Father, save me from this place? Father, glorify your name. Can you shift your mind to kingdom? God, how in this can your kingdom come? And then Paul says, and then Paul says, look, Paul is, a, Paul is crazy. He is just so crazy. And the, his, his obsession with the kingdom shows in this. Paul says, there's certain preachers out there. You know, there's this idea that the early church was fully united. It was just, it was actually not people. It was just angels. 
They were kind of angel people, people. That they, they just all love one another. Everybody was so sincere. It was perfect people. And the church was just like perfect in unity, perfect in everything. And Paul says, whoa, you know that there's people preaching the gospel? Now, I'll tell you there's different preachers of the gospel. I have to check my heart the whole time. And I feel I've fallen in that trap so often. You know, initially, food <laughs> was just there to feed people's hunger. That's the only need. Why? People are hungry, so I'll give food to feed your hunger. That's the only purpose of food. But later, as food has grown, it's become an industry. And now we have restaurants that they still feed you with food, but that restaurant owner couldn't care less about your hunger. He just wants to make money. And so food has now just become a means. It's, he would have used any product to give influence and money. That's what most churches do with the gospel. Initially, the sincerity was simply to get people saved. I found myself once, maybe more than once. <laughs> I want to make it once. I'm thinking, yes, I can lead this guy to the Lord, but shucks, I don't know if he will be able to get to our church. Can I pour myself on the kingdom without having anything in return for it? And you see, as soon as we're in the spirit, there's jealousy amongst churches, amongst ministries. There's always a little bit suspicion. And see, that's exactly what these guys are doing. Remember the Holy Spirit. There's always this, you know, Paul, he's in prison, right? I tell you, there was always something wrong with Paul. I, I don't know what it is, you know. I don't know what it is, but there's always a sense in me whenever Paul speaks. And God is confirming it now by putting him in prison. I'm just saying. Right? And so Paul is not even on that train. Look what he says in the next verse. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The later to do it out of love, knowing that I put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Listen to this. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. <laughs> Imagine that mindset. But did you see that churches, they do this. And Paul, Paul would go like, I know that there's wrong motivation. Of course, none of us has it. It's always the other guys that has the wrong motivation. That's so weird. It's like, I've always, I don't know, always God leads me with the most godly people. And I don't know. He's just, the other guys are always the ungodly guys. So, so it's just amazing how it works, isn't it, right? And those guys think exactly the same about you again. I'm just saying it, right? And so there's always this thing. And Paul goes and he says, well, yes, sure, there's guys that's preaching the gospel, not of the most... Most noble motivation. But I really don't care. 
because I'm consumed with the kingdom. And as long as Jesus' name is proclaimed and the kingdom of God is proclaimed, even though people want to, through that, make my name whatever, even through that, people find pleasure in me being in prison. Oh, one guy is out, less competition. Paul is out of the game, boom! Now my ministry can grow. Even if that is the mindset amongst many. Paul would say, I don't care. I'm just not in that, I'm not on that train anymore. I'm not on that comparison train anymore. I'm just simply, simply devoted to the kingdom and God's purposes. Because I still, I must say, I still need to meet men that can walk like this. It's really rare. People that's truly devoted to the kingdom. Says, yes, and I will rejoice. And I'll just read the next verse just because it's so cool. Find, know that through your prayers and the help of, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Ah, oh, oh, okay. I was hoping for something else. <laughs> he, he, uh, in, in my translation, he says rejoice twice. <laughs> for this I will rejoice, and again I will rejoice. Anyway. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance. What is his deliverance? What is his deliverance? Getting out of prison, right? Look at the next verse. Oh, sorry, I didn't give you verse 20. Who's got, who's got his Bible open? Can you quickly read verse 20? Um, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul's full deliverance is this, that while I'm in prison, I would be able to fully proclaim him, whether they kill me or not. That's not the point. Through the prison, I will bring full glory to God. It's a different deliverance that most people are praying for. <laughs> Let's... Uh, um, Let's pray. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll next week do part two of, of Philippians 1. It's getting more juicier. This was just warm up, all right? <laughs> Jesus, I, oh, Lord, our, our lives are sometimes so small, Lord Jesus. We are caught up in such a silly race many times, Father. And your kingdom is sometimes so far from us, Jesus. We live such temporal lives and are concerned so many times with that which is temporal. Father, I pray, even as you call us to be more radical, even as you call us to be more devoted, Father, I pray that you will grip our hearts with eternity and that you will grip our hearts with the kingdom. And Father, that we, together with Paul, Father, can have this concern before us. Father, don't save me from this hour. But for this very hour I came, Jesus, glorify your name. Praise you, Jesus. Amen.